Hello, with CP Podcast listeners. This is your host, Julia. It is Thursday, June 9th, and it is 3.22 p.m. I am sitting here in rainy, rainy Seattle. It is raining cats and dogs today, and I love it. <laughs> um, but today, where Ben and I and a special guest are here today for another episode of Tea Time with Ben and Julia. So this is episode number two of our model minority arc. Today, we're going to be talking about the Asian proximity to whiteness. And you may be asking yourself, what does that mean? But the more we discuss it, um, it'll make a lot of sense. So I would like to introduce my lovely co-host, Bin, and our guest, Chris Kaminishi. Okay, Bin, you want to go first? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Hi, listeners. Welcome to Tea Time. Um, a little bit of identifiers before we begin as an introduction. My name is Ben. Um, I immigrated from Vietnam with my family when I was seven down to Tacoma, Washington, and now I am in Seattle, Washington. Um, and I am young. I am under 25. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And our wonderful guest today, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you, Julia and Ben, and I'm just honored to be able to share this tea time space with you today. So thank you for inviting me. Um, to, as an identifier, I'm a third generation Japanese American. Um, my grandparents immigrated here from Japan um, about 125 years ago, before 1900. Um, my father was born in Seattle, and he was um, incarcerated during World War II. My mom um, is from Hawaii. She grew up on a plantation there and she was not incarcerated, but she was marginalized in a variety of ways uh, during her childhood and adulthood. And me, I am a Generation X. She, her pronouns, um, raised in South Seattle, Beacon Hill neighborhood, which has been gentrified. I'm also a wife, a mom, a daughter, and currently a team lead for Team Virginia and Arizona. So, Julia, back to you. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here with us on this podcast today, Chris. So a bit of an introduction for myself. Um, my name is Julia. I identify using she, her pronouns, and I'm Chinese American. My I was born here in Seattle, and my parents immigrated from China roughly 25 years ago um to the united states and i live up in north seattle and i am also identifying of the gen z generation um i am under 25 as well so <clears throat> ben would you like to start off with explaining a bit about what does it mean the asian proximity to whiteness well I think 25% of that explanation could be found in our previous episode detailing the American dream. Um, I think as a recap, we were talking about how the American dream and what we, you know, what success, how success is defined from that uses markers from white society, which is get yourself a good job, build your wealth, get a good car. Um, and then you just made it, you know, like you start from nothing and you can make something of yourself. It is that mentality. Um, and so I think 
something that Julia brought up earlier that I think really illustrates this um, Asian proximity to whiteness well, is that if you think back to white spaces, so Whole Foods is a good example. Universities are also another example. Um, suburban homes, suburban areas are also a good example, um, which are, I think, like, you know, white spaces is how I see them. But the, the ethnicity that comes close is Asian. And, you know, this is like, so like, we're talking about like, why? Why do you walk into Whole Foods and you see Asians and white people? Why do you go to university, like the University of Washington campus, and you see Asian and white people? Um, like, why do you go to a suburban neighborhood and you knock on doors and you talk to either Asian or white people? You know? So that is kind of like the questions that I've been grappling with, Julia's been grappling with. We're pulling Chris in to grapple with us. Um, and I think that's a I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, so Chris, I want to start off with you. Where have you have you seen Asian proximity to whiteness in your own life, in your own experience? Do you think that this is something that exists? And yeah, I'll, we'll start with that. I do think it exists, especially in the greater Seattle area, because, you know, Asian Americans are probably one of the largest um, non-white groups. And as Ben just mentioned, the American dream is closely aligned with, you know, my parents told me to, you know, work hard, get a good education. There were very, a very small handful of majors in college that they felt were acceptable because you could get a job in those sort of business and engineering and healthcare, that type of thing. Um, be quiet, work hard, keep your mouth shut. Don't make a fuss. Don't put too much attention on yourself. And, um, and because of their experiences living as Japanese Americans during World War II, they did feel especially that they had to um, conform and assimilate and prove their Americanness, whatever that means. And whoever gets to decide that is still not clear to me, but um, they felt the need to stay safe, stay alive. Um, and that was the way that they were going to deal with it. So not, not just them, but many other Japanese Americans who had their experience. Yeah, I think Chris, you bring up a lot of really good points that I can also relate to is like the need to conform, I think has also been present within my own family and my own life. So yeah, like growing up, I definitely also witnessed this, like, at least in Seattle, in the Seattle area, um, this Asian proximity to whiteness, like, yeah, like what Ben was saying, if you walk into like traditionally white spaces, the most like diversity that you see is like Asian people. And like growing up, you're like, why, why is this? Why is this, you know? Um, I mean, you, you can even see it in like a lot of biracial couples, like even within my own life. Like I feel like the most common pairing of biracial couples that I see is like white and Asian versus like, I don't, I personally in my life, I don't see a lot of like Asian and Latino or like other couplings. So um, that's kind of like how I've seen the Asian proximity to whiteness in my life. Um, it's like, even like growing up, um, I was in like an honors class, like in elementary school as part of this program called Spectrum. Um, some, of, some of you which 
may be familiar with, but it got stripped because it was seen as being racist. Um, but basically this honors program, um, I was in a class of about 30 white students and out of that class of 30 white students, there would there was two, two or three Asian people, no Latinos, no black people, no people, no like, I don't know, just like no other races um, present. So this is like something that I've been grappling with and like trying to understand too. Um, but no, I definitely feel like in my own life, like, feel like there's like a stereotype and reality that like Asians conform, you know, like, I I know a lot of like, Asian friends of mine who, whose parents like didn't teach them like, a second language, they taught them English, because English is what you should learn. And English is what will help you survive and succeed and prosper in America. Like even me personally, like, my parents prioritize teaching me English over Chinese. And that's why like, I, I can speak and I can understand Chinese, but I can't read or write it, you know, so um, in a way, it's it's almost kind of sad, like this, what what I have lost because of my proximity to whiteness. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good way of framing it. Like the closer you get to whiteness, do you lose? quote unquote Asianness? I don't know. So I'll leave it at that. So Ben, um, we were talking a little bit prior to this about how you both spoke another language at home in addition to English and we didn't, we didn't at all. Um, our parents, my parents didn't allow us to because you know, again, because of their experiences and because they felt it wasn't safe. And and um, given their experiences, in, indeed it wasn't safe. So, and they saw things as, as, as very stark, like you either do it or you don't do it. There was no in between. So that is a good question, Julia, what do we lose of ourselves? And, and then how do we get that back? Or is it ever, can you re retain it again? I think, um, I think it becomes like, it's a, a bit of an immigrant um, decision, right? That there is a point in your life um, as an immigrant where you are maybe multiple points over and over again, where you're like, I have a choice in front of me and it is A, to assimilate and be treated better for it or B, um, continue on as I have and maybe take the risk of being ostracized or discriminated on or just looked down upon um, more differently. And I think my parents, um, I don't think they see themselves as American. Like my parents still very much see themselves as Vietnamese, right? Um, they bear, they have enough English to get by and they know enough about the systems to get by, right? And that is one part of assimilation, but I see where the assimilation comes from is, um, is goes back to what we're saying about um, how do you know that, how do you feel safe in this country? How do you feel that you're, you are secure in this country, right? And that means align yourself with the, um, the racial group that is the most secure. Um, and so if you see white people, they walk on the streets, uh, they look safe, they can do whatever the fuck they want. Um, they have success, they have money, and they have status, 
Mm. And I think ultimately that's what my parents are aiming for security for themselves and a low status for their kids. Um, so I think part of, so like, that's one thing, right? But who doesn't like want that? So it's not just like the Asian immigrant group that wants that, but if you look at, so well, why is it only us that has, that can get that degree of status over other immigrant groups? And so the other part of the equation in terms of like the Asian proximity to whiteness for me is that we are allowed to be close when other groups are not. So, uh, which is means to say that, like, I don't know um, who knows about the, the history that Tacoma has with Chinese immigrants, but there's like been like a, there's been like a really clear moment in history in Tacoma where like uh, Chinese workers were building the railroads and, you know, they had Chinatown. And the reason why, uh, one of the major reasons why we don't have a Chinatown is because uh, when the work was done, like they drove people out with violence, burned their houses to the ground and said, leave. We now have a reconciliation park um, and none of that history. So like, what, what does that mean, right? So like, so before we, we're very much like, I think outsiders, but now there's there's less of that. And I think that was deliberate, that's intentional. Um, so I, I don't know, I mean, like, let's, I suppose talk through this a little bit more. Chris, I'm really interested to hear too about like what it was like in the decades before, because um, at least the way that I see it now is encourage that international um, East Asian like stay in Seattle. I like like stay here and contribute your talent, your knowledge or whatever, um, when that was not the case before. And it's certainly not the case for other groups of immigrants. Yeah, that is an interesting question because um, I see now um, that that I'm in my 50s now and that people are really wanting BIPOC members to be at the table, right? Like you just said, Asian Americans and, and so on for our lived experience and so on. And um, I feel that too, and I'm glad that it's changing. And I'm glad that you two are young enough that you can benefit from that because we are a richer society when, when we can do that. When when I was coming up through college in my early career, it was during the late 80s and 90s, and it was a very um, different kind of place. I mean, it was the Reagan years. It was America first, which probably meant you know, what, what kind of images do we think of when we see think of America and Americans as probably white people, right? And and I started out in corporate and it was sort of like, you can be with us here, but if you act like us and if you kind of stamp out whatever part of, part of you that's different or stands out um, as different. So it was sort of what my parents had taught me. I just blend in, assimilate, work hard. Um, and I, so it was not a place where, where differences or time that, that differences were celebrated or welcomed or, or wanted. So I, I'm glad that things are changing now. Um, and I'm glad that things are different for the younger generations. But I, I guess um, when we talk about proximity to whiteness, I, I agree with what you're all saying. And this latest round of Asian hate brought on by the pandemic only shows us that you know can be proximate to whiteness and you can belong until you don't right it's like it's sort of revocable 
and conditional. And that's um, doesn't feel like progress to me because sometimes I, I feel like I think I think twice about going places or do I want to go here? Do I need to go here? Can I bring someone with me? Is this going to be safe? If something happened, would anyone know about it? That kind of thing. That to me does not feel like progress. And I guess I wonder how you two feel about this latest round of the patient hate. I I think about it a lot. Like your point is another thing that I want to explore in this episode is that you know I'm we're saying we're we're proximate to whiteness. I'm not saying we are whiteness or that we're proximate. And I think you can conform and you can make yourself so close to this group, but at the end of the day, like you're not, like we aren't white and we, we, will, we won't benefit from being white. Like I, I think your point is it's spot on. Like we're, we're proximate to whiteness. We belong in group in white spaces until we don't, right? Until we're like scapegoated for COVID or we're scapegoated for a labor issue. So yeah, that's like, like another thing about the proximity to whiteness is like, to what point does it benefit to want to be, to see yourself in white spaces and belong with white people? <laughs> um, I guess to put it. Um, another thing that is interesting about like proximity to whiteness, like, like, I feel like maybe, like definitely colorism and skin tones go into maybe one of the reasons why we're closer to whiteness is like, like, I don't know. I feel like, like colorism is very real, in my opinion. Like the lighter your skin tone, the more acceptable you're seen. Um, the more acceptable you're seen to audiences, like all over, like even within the Asian community, like if you have lighter of a lighter skin tone, you're seen as like, oh, like, oh, you're so pretty. Or like, like even my mom, like she's just like a touch tan. She's like a little tan. And then my mom, like growing up, she would tell me stories. She's like, yeah, you know, all my friends, my family, they would call me like a black sheep. She would. And the translation is like super wrong because it's like going from English to Chinese, but she'd be like, yeah, my friends would say I'm like black. <laughs> and that's like super weird, like growing up with like those kind of like colorism notions as well. And that's just something I wanted to acknowledge is very real. Yeah, I, I completely agree that um, colorism is, a, is very complex and, and yet I kind of um, am one of the more paler ones out of my family. And yet when my mom, I mentioned earlier, she's from Hawaii and um, we would go there in the summertime as kids. And it's like, where did you come from? <laughs> it's sort of like, you're so pale. <laughs> and so it was sort of, if you get, if you're too outside of, of what people perceive you ought to be, then that kind of questions your belonging as well. Right. And, and we, 
um, I when I go to to Asia, when I've, I've had a chance to travel there, it's sort of like I'm clearly not Asian, right? I don't belong here in, in Asia. I'm not um, born, raised, lived there. Um, I'm not from Hawaii. I'm not a local and I am of South Seattle, but that area has been gentrified and changed so much. And yet, so there's a feeling of sort of being in this in-between space of belonging and not and proximate and whatever word we wish to use close or proximate or quite there, but not, not there, right? Kind of a, a both and and a neither nor. And Ben, I'd be interested to hear how, what you think of that. Um, well, okay. So I think, well, so I'm not East Asian, right? So I am not like Chinese, Japanese, Korean, or Mongolian, or like in that um, geographic location when people think of Asian American. And so like as a Southeast Asian American, it's a little bit weirder because I think just naturally our tones, our, our skin tones just darker. Um, and growing up, like my mom was like, unnaturally pale <laughs> uh like my mom and her sisters i think i am sure there's like some french in us somewhere because of colonialism uh, but she ended up being really pale and i am not so <laughs> that that just means that like growing up it, it was like why are you so dark and i'm like oh mom you gave birth to me i was born this way <laughs> and <laughs> And she was like, stop, like, stop wearing short sleeves in the summer. Start wearing long sleeves. Put on like a half block of sunscreen so you don't get darker. And I'm like, but it's natural. And, you know, like, I, I keep fighting her about it, actually. Um, but it's, it's very real. It's very real about, like, the sense of, like, keeping yourself um, pale, keeping yourself um, as light as possible, having products that has a little bit of whitening condition in it. Um, and all of that stuff, you know? And so to me though, in the US, it's kind of like when we talk about Asian proximity to whiteness, um, it is also to go just a little bit deeper within the Asian American community is who is the Asian um, that isn't usually seen as close to whiteness, uh, is usually East Asian for me, or at least like is, you know, Southeast Asian, um, Pacific Islanders, so like the Philippines, Malaysia, and stuff like that. Like, we, there's not that much representation just within that group. So I'm, I know I'm going into like a lot more deeper nuance um, in this, but it is very much, I think, as you two have said, Julia, Chris, about like how physically how white you look, and also um, what how how people have used that ease of access to gain that success that they think is actually just success and is not racialized at all. Um, I don't know if I'm making sense, no, but I also yeah. feel like, <laughs> wait, what? Oh, I was going to say, like, also your point, like, there is a geographic nuance to this as well. Like, East Asians are seen as more proximate to whiteness than southeast asians or south asians right and when i talk about yeah well you already you already said it earlier i don't need to explain myself anymore but no but if you think about it like countries like like why are countries like korea or japan or china seen as like more aligned with whiteness maybe if like 
being an international studies major, like you could argue those countries are more westernized in certain aspects and have been have had complex colonial histories with the United States, which makes us feel like, oh, they're more familiar. I I I know this person, like we have similar values. Like I think that's another thing to I just wanted to like outright like acknowledge and point out too. Yeah, and I think, you know, how long we've been in, in the United States has, has something to do with it as well. In, in my case, 125 years, my family history, like, you know, my kids are now the fourth generation. They ought, ought to probably be the fifth generation because my I had kids very late in life. My parents did as well. But that, I mean, you would um, need to be really working to hang on to your your heritage. And, and my parents, you know, because of what we talked about earlier, didn't, didn't do that. So sort of by time and space is kind of that that's that tends to happen and i think then you get into the complexity of of you know i think the current term is asian american native hawaiian pacific islander right the and, and that that's quite i mean you you get almost half the planet and put a label on it i mean to think that we're aligned or think all the same or are the same is it's just not realistic right um i definitely feel common bonds common ground solidarity and so on but you know we also need to be recognized for the multi-dimensional individuals and groups that we are i mean we don't even share a common language so it's like that would just be a lot to to handle but i um i don't remember where i'm going with this but someone else can take over <laughs> No, I feel you. I feel you. Like, that's the thing, right? I don't see myself as Asian American for that exact reason. Um, I'm Vietnamese and I am becoming American, or at least I am defining what it is to be American in my own terms, right? Because I am a citizen. I'm doing shit for voting rights. So yeah, yeah, I'm American. Um, so I think, but at the same time, like the Asian Americans um, label is as only as useful as identifying a sense of solidarity for me. And I've said it before on this podcast and I'll keep saying it um, because we are not a monolith, right? And that is why Julie and I have to talk this out um, because as similar as we are, we don't have that same experience. And that's what we pull in guests as Chris because you sure as don't have the same experience with us. Um, I think at the end of the day though, the proximity to whiteness is an outward perception. I think it's, a, it's like, I observe it as two things, right? It's an outside perception of whoever they think is Asian American and how close it is to occupy white spaces, um, white opportunities, um, and what white success is. And on the other hand, internally, I, I don't think a lot of Asian Americans see it as a race issue. They see it as like a, I, a success, right? It's like a, a marker of success um, to have made it to have access to these resources and these opportunities. And I don't know, I, I kind of like feel like we we can like, we're kind of like going into like what we do about it. Like for me, it's a little bit of, it's talking back to my mom about when she brings up colorism in that, in that way. It's about figuring out what success means to me. Um, is it also about figuring out like, how, how people, you know, like other Asian Americans feel like they need to be something and to call call that out for, for my own community. Um, 
I don't know. I guess. I think, yeah, we're, we're going to move into the more like solutions oriented part of this podcast. Um, no, I agree. I think there's like little acts of resistance is what really makes true progress. Like, yeah, like talking back to my mom. Oh, wow, you're so pale. You look so beautiful today. Like, no, <laughs> you look beautiful every day, regardless. Like, <clears throat> or... I don't know, like, like I said in the previous podcast, like me personally not projecting stereotypes onto myself or sheesh, not, not conforming. Why do I need to conform? I can be as Asian as I want. Like I'll be over here with my chopsticks and Ziploc bags and I don't know, leftover containers, you know, like, <laughs> like at the end of the day, I don't need to be proximate to anything. I just need to be proximate to my own happiness and defining my own ways of success. But also, also breaking up like spaces where it's like, hey, why is it just white and Asian people? Like, let me bring, let me bring in some other groups. Let me bring in some real like diversity here, you know? Um, I think that's for me how I would approach this moving forward. Yeah, I think, um, well, talking back to my mom is, is a, pretty normal thing. <laughs> I've had more decades of experience doing that than you two, but um, I'm not sure that that's made progress, but maybe, maybe it has. And I think that this work that we do for voting rights, I mean, to be really honest, I came to Common Power because I wanted to be around more people like who identify the way I do and to come to find that I haven't yet met another uh, person. <laughs> that's a um, BIPOC generation X or, or baby boomer or generation. So um, it is, a, I wasn't expecting to be the only one. And that's, um, again, I, I can definitely fit in. I, I have a lot in common with um, our volunteer base, largely white identifying um, baby boomer group, because we have a lot of common about being in the sandwich generation, I take care of my elderly parents. I have two teenage sons that are about ready to launch and I run a household and all those kinds of things that are sort of doesn't matter. You know, it's a, not a race issue. It's just a, a life issue that I can definitely um, connect with people on. And then at the same time, I feel very embraced and in solidarity with the BIPOC members of our community and really appreciate that. And yet I'm, decades older and just want to be mindful that I don't, that I don't overstep or, or use my power on, on someone, you know, inadvertently. So it is a, an interesting space. I, I, um, I think because of the way I was raised to not stand out, not to speak out too much, it probably, that's why it took me so long to come to this work. I mean, in my, in my mid fifties before I joined last year. So that's, I'm glad that you two, again, are getting a much, bigger head start on this and finding your voice and your place and and it's going to take all of us to save our democracy so you know every person of every you know across the spectrum of race and generation and so on needs to be with us i agree i'm absolutely with you chris and we are so happy to have you with us so thank for you for sure
yes that was such a strong finish too yeah I was like I can't say it any better <laughs> <laughs> okay y'all I think we're gonna end it here thank you so much Chris for taking time out of your day to join us today Chris do you want to provide your contact info if anybody ever wants to hit you up also totally cool if you don't want to um any last words sure um i can be found on the platform is that what you mean yeah yeah, yeah. you can yeah. Hit, hit chris up on mobilize mobilize.io cp.io cp .io. all right okay thank, thank you all thank you